Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, it's Monique, and this is episode uh, 56 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share my experiences with transitioning to a vegan lifestyle and, of course, bring on guests to share theirs because there's so much power in the story. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. If you're new to a vegan lifestyle, I just finished putting together a new checklist with the seven steps that you must take to start your vegan journey. That's at sevensteptstovegan.com. So on the show today, I have a special guest for you. I have Stephanie Sunshine. We actually met on Instagram, I would say earlier this year, and it was just cool connecting with her. She's just a dope chick, um, real down to earth. I like to see her do yoga, so that's why I wanted her to come on the show. The thing about this episode is, even though we talk about veganism, it's mostly in the beginning of the conversation that we're talking about veganism. Um, Overall, this conversation is about how to start a yoga practice, why yoga is beneficial, the power of self-care and unplugging from social media. That's really like the basis of this conversation. So in the beginning of our chat, um, Stephanie talks about how she got started on her vegan journey through the Daniel Fast how she was able to ditch the cheese and how difficult that was because she loved cheese so much, how to co-parent when um, the other family is not interested in starting a vegan journey or giving the kids vegan food, how you have to find like a middle ground so that everybody is happy when you're dealing with other people who don't live in your household. So we talked about that in the beginning, but like I said, most of this conversation is about unplugging, self-care and starting a yoga routine. All the show notes and everything in this episode will be listed at brownvegan.com under episode 56. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into the conversation with Stephanie Sunshine. My why definitely changed over time. Initially, um, I started, I've always been a knowledge seeker, so I always like search information and just find myself going down rabbit holes and things, but it had never really taken me towards the health side of that. Um until I got pregnant and um, you know, it was time for me to figure out what was the best way to do this whole pregnancy thing. You know, of course you want a healthy baby and everything. So um, I'm also usually the one that goes like, if everybody's going right, then I want to go left kind of thing. So I was like, <laughs> let me look up some, <laughs> I was like, let 
me look up some alternative stuff here, you know, as far as this whole birthing process and everything goes. So um, that led me to um, my very first exposure to kind of like alternative and natural health, holistic health and things like that. Um, so that was my very first exposure. And then down the road after I gave birth and everything, um, you know, like at that point, I wasn't vegan at all. I was still eating Oh God, like pork, beef, everything, chicken, turkey, any kind of meat. And I, you know, I was heavy on meat, heavy on cheese. And um, eventually something just led me, I guess it was the whole pregnancy thing, but it led me to start eliminating fast food completely. Mm -hmm. So I switched and started eating just at home. And uh, once I did that, then eventually... I decided to cut out beef and pork. And then around the time that I was getting really comfortable with having that out of my diet, um, one of my really, really good friends, she got sick. She had cancer. She got breast cancer. And um, we were like 27 or 28 at the time, oh, wow. 27 years old. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, really, really surprising and rough. And um, at the time, I decided to do a fast. Um, I was pretty religious at that time. I, you know, Christian and everything like that. So I decided to do a Daniel fast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was like 30 days. You only eat fruits and veggies. So I did that. And then at the end of 30 days, I was like, um, okay, let's turn the fish back on, turn back on the chicken. And I just could not do it, Monique. I was like, no, this doesn't feel right. So at the same time, I was also learning more, and more about the food industry um, watching a lot of documentaries and just finding out about the horrible farming practices and you know if you want to call it farming at this point <laughs> but like um yeah. <laughs> just all the stuff that happens in the food industry was just really a bit much for me to continue eating what I had been eating so yeah that was uh 2015 when uh, I did that uh-huh mm -hmm. when you decided to become vegan in 2015 yeah, yeah. So 2015 was the year where I decided, okay, no more pescatarian. Um, and I still, here and there, I would still eat cheese because cheese was really tough for me to come away from. Mm -hmm. I was a huge cheese head. Like, I would put cheese on everything, three types of cheese on everything. And um, so I stopped buying cheese for at home. Like, I wouldn't prepare cheese, uh, my meals with cheese at all at home. But if we went out or if, you know, there was something at work, um, I was still employed at the time, then, you know, I would partake. Like if they had pizza or something like that, I would still eat it here and there. And so I did that all the way up until uh, I'm probably getting my days mixed up here. I don't have like, you know, like some people, they have like a veganversary and this whole thing like that. Like I didn't really, really, really mark a date like as of June 26th, mm -hmm. I'm a vegan. <laughs> yeah I get it because let me tell you for me I didn't even know I had one either I was the same way I actually had to go back through my journals to figure out what my date was because I had no idea it's kind of like um it just flowed you know it, it was just time and I mean I don't really think it matters if you don't know exactly when for sure I mean as long as it happened right <laughs> exactly I, I roughly estimate I've been completely vegan without cheese for about two years mm -hmm. two and a half years now yeah. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a flow process, like you said. So, okay, let's talk about the cheese, because I know that's a concern for a lot of people. 
Um, it keeps them from going from vegetarian to vegan. So what did you do? Because I think, I mean, you already kind of um, said that you started at home, that you made sure that it was no cheese at home. So how did you completely move away from the cheese? Is it because you just got used to being able not to eat it since you were doing not eating it at home? How did that look for you? Yeah, so it was mainly I, I'm very mental. My my whole thing and drive is starts in the mind. I guess that's with anybody, but me a lot. You know, it's just a mind thing. So the more information I have, I'm that person. Like if I know something, I have to do something with it. I can't just know it and not do better. So I um, definitely just amped up my knowledge as far as like, you know, the process of making cheese. Where does cheese come from? What does it do to the body? Um, And basically it all boils down to one statement. And I share this with my clients a lot and it helps them to come away from cheese too. But I just tell them, you know, you're eating cow pus, right? (laughs) And um, you're like, yeah, this is cow pus. I mean, you kind of don't want to eat it anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really have any benefits. You know how sometimes with certain things you're like, OK, I can see why people eat that. But with dairy, no, there's no benefits whatsoever. In my experience, I don't feel like there's any, um, especially something that you can't get from another uh, source for sure. Is there any foods that you didn't really like when you first started that you really enjoy now? Or are you probably were you one of those people that just kind of like a little bit of everything before you started? No. So, <laughs> Yeah, when you asked me that question, immediately what popped into my mind was watermelons. Um, so growing up, I didn't eat any fruit, like none. You know, we never really had fruit in the household at all. Mm-hmm. And um, just grew up not having a taste for it at all. So um, definitely when I changed my diet, you know, my taste buds changed. I started actually liking fruit. And um, it was at first I had to train myself. Like I just train myself to enjoy smoothies um, Mm. because I've never been big on sweet or, you know, like sweet, fruity taste. Um, But now, yeah, I actually love watermelon. It's like one of my favorite foods, just food, period. But that's so strange because I promise, like when I was younger, I hated watermelon. I really hated it. And I'm like, now I'm like, how can anybody hate watermelon? (laughs) Right. Wait, okay, so how how did you eat as a kid then? If you didn't really, is it that you didn't eat fresh fruit? Because, you know, sometimes I know people say they didn't really eat fruit, but it was because they didn't really eat a lot of fresh fruit. Just none? You just didn't have any at all kind of thing? None, Monique, none. And I barely ate vegetables. I don't know how I really grew or arrived. I really don't. Well, a lot of kids don't, though, you know. So I think that's even better that you were able to make the transition because sometimes people are like, I can't be vegan because I don't like fruit or vegetables. But um, you will definitely get a taste for it just like that happened for you, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, to me, everything is mind over matter. Um, you know, you if you want to like something, you can train yourself to like it. True, yeah. I know you have a son. Your son is six years old. Um, how was he, I know, well, you said during your pregnancy is when you started to consider this lifestyle. So how is he eating these days? Is he interested in the meals or how, how does that look for your family? Um, you know, it's still a challenge. Uh, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that really draws me to your work and uh, some other people that I've seen online, because even as a teacher, I'm still a student. And so, you know, I don't have it all together in all areas. So Mm -hmm. one area I still, you know, find a little challenging is the area of, okay, my son 
getting him completely on board. Um, for the most part, children, I th- children, like I've seen, like he naturally has a love for um, healthy foods and, you know, fruits and eh, not so much vegetables, but he's always been a fruit lover and he still loves fruit. So I can introduce new fruits to him easily. However, it's where it becomes a challenge is when you bring family, other family members into the picture. Right. And <laughs> because I'm not just raising him by myself, you know, in an isolated, isolated bubble. Like I have to, you know, and, and I'm the only one in my family who eats like I do. So it, it becomes a challenge when other people want to give him sweets and Doritos and, you know, junk food. And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm taking step by step, like, I'm, I try to just take it in increments and say, okay, well, okay, guys, let's at least make him vegetarian, you know. Um, when he's with me, he's vegan. But when he's with other family members, at this time, he's still vegetarian. Um, just because they find it so challenging to, you know, like, what do I feed this kid? And I'm just like... Okay, guys, you can just, if you are struggling that much, just order, you know, get a cheese pizza and make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My older two kids, when they go to their dad's house, it's kind of like, okay, uh, <laughs> when they were younger, I used to really struggle with that. And now as like they get older, it's just like, you know what, what can I do but give them the foundation at home? And I know you feel the same way for your, your son. So, yeah, that yeah, family I, thing I, is. I really had to not be hard on myself and not try to just be so controlling over it you know of course you communicate to family and say okay this is what we do this is what I would like for you to do um, but you know just like you said at the end of it you all you can really control is what you do with him when he's in your presence and in your care and then just inform everybody this is what I would like to happen and um, you know just I guess rock with it from there what yeah. else can you really do that is that <laughs> is the truth absolutely you can't and I've I've struggled with that um, you know, because of course you really, if you're living a certain lifestyle, then there's that whole guilt factor with mommy being a mom. And I think that even if it's not this topic, you know, it could be any other list of subjects where mommy guilt can creep in. And so I just try to keep that, you know, under control. Like, hey, Stephanie, you can't feel guilty about what other people are doing. Like you said, you know, if you, as long as you do your part and you tell them, you, you know, this is what we do. I mean, you know, here's some ideas of what you can feed him. And then, you know, he comes home and he reports what he's had and like, you know, Doritos and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, gosh. okay. Well, did you have any meat? Oh, okay. So, all right. All right. We're making progress. You know, (laughs) Exactly. Right. We got to count that. We got to count that progress for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. because it can be the complete opposite. The fact that. Um, you know, his other family is willing to even be vegetarian is a lot because a lot of people won't even do that. They're like, uh, they do whatever, you know, um, they don't see the importance of a lifestyle shift. So, yeah, I think that even getting him to be vegetarian is huge. And I mean, at least that's how I see it. (laughs) Oh, it's monumental because I definitely had resistance even with that. So, you know, I just I just try to recognize and appreciate each step of the way, you know, absolutely. So one of the main reasons, Stephanie, I wanted you on the show is because I wanted you to talk about yoga. I have this love hate (laughs) thing with yoga. And I just want to talk. I wanted you to talk about the benefits of this lifestyle and some beginner tips. Just kind of just take it away because I've tried it in the past and I just can't find my love for it. I don't know. It's kind of like I love the idea of yoga. But when it's time to do it, I'm just like, this is not 
nothing about this feels relaxing. <laughs> nothing about this feels like it's um, working for me. And I actually feel more tense when it's over than I do before I go. So let's start off with talking about some of the benefits of starting um, yoga. What has it done for you? Sure. So uh, recently I just finished, I just completed my yoga teacher certification training. And um, so that I completed that in Egyptian yoga. Excuse me. And um, it's been a very revealing process because prior to starting my teacher training, I did practice yoga. Um, however, I think what it is is that we get bombarded by so many perspectives and images and media and just things that show you, okay, this is yoga. And then when it comes to actually practicing it, you know, it's it's your own personal journey. It's I have a friend of mine who I talk to pretty regularly about um, spiritual things. And it's funny because she'll send me just images or pictures of her doing certain things. And she'll be like, is this a yoga pose? You know, what's the name of it? And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, whatever it is. And then I'm like, that's great that you're just intuitively, I call her practice intuitive yoga, because really that's what it should be about is like you just come into the mat or coming to wherever you are and just allowing your body to flow and come into postures and positions that feel good to you. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, whatever you're led to do is what you need to do. So, you know, it's not so much about... Um, Alignment and things like that are important when it comes to safety. But as long as you're, I always tell people, as long as you're slightly uncomfortable and not in pain, then you're typically okay as far as, you know, it being safe and whatnot. So um, basically, as far as my journey and, you know, my yoga practice, it's come a very long way. Now it's it's much more spiritual focused, which is what it should be. Um, when it started or originated, actually, a lot of people don't know it started in Africa versus in India. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. When it first you know came about, it was so much to it as far as just being a spiritual practice. And now Western society has kind of shifted it to you know, competitive is, is, can you get into this position? Can exactly. you do this with your leg? <laughs> I like, okay. So I never really saw it as, um, more of a spiritual, uh, practice. It was more so of like, okay, get into this pose, get into this very uncomfortable pose and don't forget to breathe. And I'm just like, I don't know how to do any of this, but I like the fact that it's more, if it's more of a spiritual thing, then like you said, it's just, you kind of go with the flow of what you're feeling, what you need which I think is a better perspective than the way I was looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So even the phrase or the term yoga, which in um, Egyptian terms we say sema. So even that phrase, that word itself means union. And so what you're doing when you're doing yoga is you're uniting all the different aspects of yourself. So it's allowing the mental to meet the physical, to meet the emotional, to meet the spiritual, all the different aspects of yourself they come together and that's what it's really about is just making that all come together in perfect harmony in union um that's you know that's when people say to focus on the breath that's the breath is your life force and so that's your connection to spirit so that's evidence of spirit within you is your breath you know when you stop breathing you're dead technically right mm -hmm. so 
That's why you bring your focus and your awareness to the breath as you're moving the physical body, as you are, you know, controlling your thoughts and allowing your thoughts to all focus on the breath. So that's what it's really about. Do you have any other suggestions on how to get started? Yeah. So just like with anything else, before you start yoga, figure out why you want to do it. What do you want out of it? What do you want from it? And if you don't know, but you just know that yoga's on your radar, then learn more about it. You know, learn more about different types of yoga. There's so many different um, systems of yoga to practice and all of the systems will bring something different to the table. So what may work for you may not work for someone else. What's popular here in the U.S. Um, is a form called vinyasa and so uh, also Bikram. So that's where you're basically moving uh, usually at a pretty pretty fast pace, um, you know, through just a series of postures, kind of like twisting the body and all that stuff like that. They may not work for someone who needs something a little more mindful, something more, you know, relaxing and calming. You may be interested in meditative yoga or, um, gosh, what's this called? What's it called? It's leaving me the name of it. Um, yin yoga. Yin yoga is, you know, where you basically are chilling in a posture for an extended amount of time. You know, you may come into a lunge and just sit there in that lunge for two minutes or three minutes um, and just focus on the breath. So if, you know, some people need things slower, some people need that fast pace, they're able to move and keep up. Um, you know, there's even like hot yoga where you're, you know, in a heated room and you're moving and that helps bring different things out of people. But basically whatever helps you to center and focus and go within and not be distracted by the things that are outside. That's what you want to, that's when you know you've found a yoga style that works for you. Mm. So I would say for beginners, my tip is, you know, try, um, initially try practicing at a studio or somewhere in a group setting. Um, you know, YouTube, it typically only gets you so far to do YouTube, especially if you're a beginner, because you either A, fall asleep on it, <laughs> you know, just B, you can't keep up and you just find find yourself discouraged, like, okay, yoga's not for me. Um, and so a group setting typically will get you off to a better start. And even when you try that group setting, you may not like it. Try a different location. Try somewhere else, because... That's the other thing. There's so many, there's different teachers. So yeah. every teacher will do differently. You know, you may just not like, you may not vibe with the teacher that you had that day. Um, so, you know, don't give up on it. Try a whole lot of different things and just have an open mind. Those are my main tips for beginners. Yeah, I, I need to go with the open mindedness for sure. I know you have a retreat coming up next month. Are you planning to incorporate some yoga in that and food? Or what is that going to look like? Yeah, definitely. So we're really excited about it. We have, um, I've partnered with my friend, actually the friend that I spoke of earlier. Uh, her name is Corinthia Hicks, and she's amazing. She's um, actually one of my spiritual mentors. And so she and I are coming together. We're offering, uh, for our first retreat, it's just for ladies. Um, but basically, we'll have six workshops. And out of the six, let's see if I can name all six. We have yoga, we have food demonstration, vegan food. Um, we are also including a meal, which is major because we're actually feeding people. And um, <laughs> so there's going to be the food demonstration, yoga, meditation. Um, we'll have a workshop dealing with um, rituals and like basically forming your own self-care ritual. 
and um, the sixth one, oh, connecting, connecting with everyone who's there, just facilitating that and allowing people to make um, possible friendships with the people that show up. That is nice. I love it. It sounds like it's going to be jam-packed, but really, really, really beneficial. I think the thing that's standing out to me is the, the self-care, because I think we don't do enough of that um, as women overall, you know? So what what is you, your favorite way to, as far as self-care? What do you like to do? Is it probably some of your yoga would be considered that, too? Yeah, my self-care is just basically making sure that I'm listening to whatever it is that I need. So self-care to me, you take it a day at a time as it comes. Like self-care, honestly, is not something I feel like you can really, really plan. Um, you know, you, it's more intuitive for me. So I kind of go with what I feel it is that I need for the day. Um, you know, also a major, a major thing for me that I stress to people is to be nice to yourself and don't be too hard on yourself. And that's probably because you know, one thing I like to say is that we're all reflections of each other. So if that's my message, it's because it's something that I had to learn or that I'm still learning. Because mm-hmm. um, I be kind of, you know, very tough on myself. I'm like, you got to you gotta go. You got to get this done. You got to do that. So for me, self-care most of the time involves me taking a step back and saying, okay, Stephanie, you know, you've done enough this week. You can chill out for a second. You know, remember you have a body. You know, go wash your hair. and it sounds simple but that's a form of self-care you know washing your hair on a regular basis um you know yeah caring for the body making sure that because for me what comes natural is thinking on spiritual things or thinking about business things being business-minded that ambition that drives so those things come natural i have to remember okay stephanie take care of your body you know, go go to a sauna, do something physical. Um, yeah, so did that answer that question? <laughs> yeah, you did. You know what? You just reminded me, too, because I think that another form of self-care would be unplugging. I know you're very intentional about that. So let's talk about why you like to unplug from social media. And what are you doing during those times when you're unplugged? Sure. So this is one of my favorite topics because we live in such an age where your phone is always glued to your hand. And also myself being um, an entrepreneur at this point, most of uh, or a lot of my things, I have to go and sit at my computer and be plugged in and locked in on a screen. And so my screen time has you know just gone up exponentially. So I'm like, OK, Steph. You know, I fortunately I'm gifted with the ability to be able to observe what's happening with me. So I'm like, okay, Steph, you know, hey, girl, you've been looking at the computer screen, you know, 12 hours out of the day or at your phone screen scrolling. You find yourself scrolling on the gram or, you know, just trying to to do (laughs) so easy to do or just trying to come up with content and you're planning content and you're trying to create posts and. I feel like that if you, well, let me speak for me. When I do that continuously and I don't take a break, it comes to a point where it feels forced and I never want it to feel like that. So when I get to a point where I'm like, okay, what am I going to post today? If that ever comes up, I'm like, "Mm, probably need to just um, 
don't post anything today. <laughs> mm, I love that because there is this pressure of being consistent or, you know, trying to figure out what that means to each of us is different, of course. But in running a business online, you always kind of have to you feel like you have to be on, I guess, because you run a business online. You have to be available. <laughs> so um, I definitely relate to that. Yeah, I feel too. One major thing that happens to me is also so there's the whole thing about it not being authentic, um, which is what I was referring to, like as far as it being forced. And I don't want to come across as, you know, not being authentic. So that's number one. And then number two, what can easily happen for me is competition. And so when you said that, um, it just triggered that. I was like, yeah, you start to think, okay, I need to post because this person is posting and pumping out three posts a day. So Stephanie, what are you doing? You need to at least have one a day, you know, and then it starts, it starts to become more about, well, what are other people doing versus what do I need to do? Exactly. So yeah, anytime it comes to that, I'm like, okay, bro, you need to just hold up, come back to center, you know, um, definitely you want your work ethic and your things to be high and you want to have that consistency. Um, I do things all the time to challenge that in myself and just make sure that I'm able to commit to something and actually carry it out, follow through, execute it. So I do those things. However, you know, it comes a point where you're like, well, I can demonstrate that ability to do that offline. Also, like, hello, we're not just living only online. Mm -hmm. So you have to back to the real world sometimes like okay well let me consistently apply my energy somewhere else for just a second let me just check out of the virtual world because I'm starting to look too much at what other people are doing and also it's not feeling authentic so that's when I take my step back I like that so what do you typically do during that time I'm sure you're just um I just, just being right yeah. <laughs> yes so that's the major thing is just being um you know I Sometimes I think about it. I'm like, I miss the days where we didn't have smartphones. Ooh, and I'm me just too. like, let me. <laughs> <laughs> I miss it so much. Oh, my goodness. Especially because I have kids, too. And I know you can see this from your son because he's six. Um, I just really miss when we just talked more, I felt like. I mean, because now I don't really feel like it's it's not the the same level of uh, conversations that it used to be before smartphones. So, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. No, exactly. And not only smartphones, but, you know, since you mentioned children, this is the other thing. So along with food, I have to really regulate my family and just, you know, how I'm raising my son with the screen time. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I don't want him to the tablet all day, every day. You know, I, I we need to have him reading books that are not loaded onto a screen. Like, hey, let's pick up some actual books here. So I do that, too. You know, you have to try to show children versus telling them. So I try to give examples of me actually reading a physical book. You know, um, if I'm not online, then I'm able to do those things or I'm able to pick up a pencil and paper and write things out. I'm big on writing. I like to write. Nice. Um, yeah, so I focus on those things when I'm not online. Um, or, you know, it may be that I'm not online. Like, actually, currently right now, I'm on a hiatus from uh, Instagram because I recognize that Instagram is kind of like my baby. <laughs> so I'm like, <clears throat> I'm devoting so much attention to Instagram when um, I'm supposed to be also working on my presence on other outlets, such yeah. as um, Facebook and 
I have a YouTube channel. And, I didn't even you know, know just that. I, I didn't know you, had a, you, you have a YouTube channel. What's your channel called? I have a channel. It's in existence. It's not a lot of content just yet, but it's Stephanie Sunshine um, okay. on YouTube. I'll be sure mm-hmm. to link it on the on the blog post at brownvegan.com for sure. I didn't know you had a. <laughs> I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. That's dope. So what yeah, do you do? I don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, you're fine. But so, yeah, that's one of the projects that kind of took a back burner because, like I said, Instagram is just like my natural baby. I'm like, oh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I met it's so, so many beautiful, cool- right? It's <laughs> so much to see <laughs> on there. I love it. It's my favorite, too. I have this app that I use called Freedom. And what it does is it blocks all my social media when I turn it on. Do you delete all of your your apps um, when it, you're on your hiatus? Or do you just um, use kind of self-control and just don't log in? What do you do? Oh, I love that question. I, the reason I love that question is because I always tell people, set yourself up for success. So I used to have like this bad spending habit. Like I used to shop and this was kind of like when I was, you know, in my early 20s and stuff like that. But I would just go and shop and not necessarily even have the money for it, but just find myself shopping. So when I went to kick that habit, what did I do? I didn't go to any stores whatsoever. Because I already knew if I ended up at the mall, I'm going to spend money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that same thing with um, social media. And, you know, if we're not careful, we we pretty much pick up an addiction to having our phone in our hands, you know, and just checking in and trying to see what's, what notifications we got and all that other foolishness. Like, it comes to a point where you're like, you look up and you're like, does it matter who liked my picture? No. Does it matter? You know? none of it matters it really doesn't it doesn't it's easier said than done but it really doesn't matter (laughs) it's easy you can get so consumed and so wrapped up in these little hearts coming on the screen you know I like I definitely want to reach people and I want them to see stuff that's the whole point but the point is not to see how many likes or how many or whatever you know so so that I don't even get caught up in that I turn the notifications off um for my main account, Stephanie Sunshine, I basically just logged out of that. And now I'm so with you on the deleting apps. Um, I usually, how I used to roll, I used to delete Instagram completely from my phone and delete it off of uh, my computer. Well, you don't have Instagram on computer. But I would delete the whole app. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, right this second, I'm not able to do that because I manage um, another account. I manage Black Vegetarian Society um, of Georgia. I mean, then I also have my retreat, so I'm having to post still to my retreat page because I'm, you know, in the process of launching that. Can't abandon that. And then it just goes on. Like, I have so many Instagram accounts right now that I'm not really able to all the way turn off mm-hmm. from it, but I am able to unplug from the one that was taking up the most of my attention which was Stephanie Sunshine so I'm like let me just bow out gracefully for a second and you know I do log out of that one um but yeah that's kind of how I do it yeah it's it's a man it's a lot I mean I think it's beneficial for sure I think social media is so powerful but um I definitely struggle with all of the screen time issues for sure I'm just like oh why am I always scrolling this thing and it's (laughs) addicting and I and I don't know, and I don't think it's good. It's not healthy at all. You know, I remember my, like, psh, like a month ago, my phone was not working for the day. I don't know what was wrong with it. iPhone, I tell you, <laughs> something was going on with my phone and I could not get it to turn on. And at first I was panicking and then I felt it was blissful. It was like seven yeah. hours where I couldn't get on my phone. And I was like, this 
it's amazing. It made me realize how I don't take enough breaks, which is sad. The yeah. fact that seven hours felt like the, the <laughs> felt way longer and amazing than that. You know what I mean? So I was just like, I have to do better and I will do better kind of thing. I was like, this is not good. That seven hours felt like felt like this. <laughs> it's not healthy. So I'm definitely aware that it's an issue for me for sure. Yeah, it's so easy to get sucked in because it's the norm. And so now we're at a point where we're fighting against that current of everybody has their phone in their hand. And I'm just always like looking up like, you know, you go to an event or a party or something and everybody has their phone and they're looking down. And you're like, where am I? (laughs) Do you know? You know what I noticed? I feel like people do it because they don't they feel like it's like having these phones have made us socially awkward. I feel like because people don't have a hard time meeting new people in person because they're always glued to their phone. So they kind of use their phone as like a barrier when they meet new people so they don't have to interact. That's what I feel like when Mm -hmm. I see it. So I go through periods where I force myself. I'm like, you know, you walking down the street, you're about to approach somebody in passing, you know, natural tendency may be, oh, let me look down at my phone so I don't have to look at that person. But hey, no. Let's look at that person. Let's not look at the phone hmm. and see what happens. Yeah. So like it's that. sad. It's kind of crazy that it's come to that, but that's what it is. That's the world we're living in right now. So just being mindful in that type of in this type of society is a challenge in itself. But I'm up for it. I'm like, you know, we're we're leaders in this thing, so we gotta lead the way and set a good example. So I can't do that if I'm always with my phone. Yes, I love that. So so true. So, Stephanie, let's get back to the retreat because I love the idea of doing live events. One of the things that I challenged myself for this year is to get offline and do more things in my community and do speaking engagements and things like that. So I want to know what goes into putting together a retreat, because even though I would love to do something like this, I'm really scared, to be honest. I'm afraid that no one will come. I'm afraid that the venue will be really really expensive and that it would just take so much time to do it that I'm going to be crying in the corner somewhere because <laughs> I'm so I'm so extra like that so could, let's talk about what that process looks like for you um, as far as finding sure. the venue and getting people to actually sign up so um, I love it so much because we're so different in our approach to it like our response because I'm the opposite like I have to um, recognize that there's a lot that goes into things sometimes because I'm more of the like, yeah, totally, let's do this tomorrow. And it's, it's like, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but this is why you get. This like, is why you're getting it done, and I'm still thinking about it though. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Then it's like after the fact, it's like, oh shoot, like there's a lot that goes into this thing. Like, it's like <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, that's kind of like a gift and a, it's not a curse, but it's like, you know, just like, okay, Steph, um, because I'm that person, like, I'll say, I'll just, I'll make these ridiculous goals for myself. Like, I remember when I was writing my cookbook, it was like, I gave myself some kind of crazy time frame, like, totally underestimating what it would take to do it. But I guess that kind of, like you said, it helps me to just do it and get it done. Yeah. But um, as far as the retreat, um, planning an event, uh, I don't like this is, is this my first, I think this is my first event that I've actually just like been in charge of. Like, this is all me. And, you know, of course, my partner, Um, I have had experience in the past as far as putting together organizational events, just in my prior experience, um, some of my old former jobs that I had, but 
Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but then at the same time, there's a lot of trusting the process and just trusting, you know, I'm fortunately I'm in a very good space in my life where I'm able to just confidently say, you know, what's supposed to happen will happen. And I so believe that. So that's carried me throughout this whole process of putting this together and, um, just planning everything, <clears throat> um, as far as what all is involved in it. So yeah, so there's a lot involved in it as far as the venue goes. Uh, honestly, like <laughs> I get into the what a lot of people I guess categorize as being woo woo. So I'm just like always thinking, okay, whatever I want to be will be. So I just manifest things in that way. And so even with selecting the venue, when it came time to do that, Monique, that's one thing I freeze up with. Even like my son's birthday parties, anything, I'm just like, where the heck are we gonna have this thing? Like I don't, I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to event planning, I was just always I freeze up at the the venue, and that'll get me stuck for like a good minute. So when stuff like that happens, it's great to be in a partnership because then I can say, well, I know that this is one thing that gives me a lot of anxiety. Let me just check in with my partner and see. You know, that's where you reach out to your resources and whoever you're working with, ask for help, basically. And that's been a major lesson in my life. So, like, I recognize my strengths. I know what I'm good at. I go full steam ahead at those things. And then whatever it is that I'm hesitant on but I know needs to get done, that's where I look at my partner or my team or whoever it is and say, hey, can you do this part of it? Because I'm not really good at that. Mm, Um, That's important for sure. Yeah. So that's a major lesson I'm learning. Um, I've had several collaborations this year. It's interesting. So 2017 is, like, the year of collaboration for me. Um, but when it comes to planning this actual live event, the venue, surprisingly, like, I feel like we just make things harder than what they have to be, especially if it's one of those things, like we, like I said, that you're not naturally just good at and it just comes easy to you. You know, you can just work yourself up and be like, where am I going to find a venue that doesn't cost thousands of dollars? Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, you ask the partner to find a place and she finds a place and it's only... You know, it's like way less than you thought it was going to be because you just really worked yourself up about it. So, um, <laughs> sounds like me. <laughs> sounds like me. Yeah. So, you know, there's, you know, you got to think about the venue, of course, the, the marketing and, um, getting it out there and launching the thing and getting people to come. Um, I feel like that also is just a major thing that I just hold space for. I'm like, whoever's supposed to be there will be there. Of course, I'm going to do my part of what I need to in order to alert people to it, let people know this thing exists, do the very best I can to get that out there. And then whoever's supposed to be there, whoever's supposed to show up is going to show up. And I, you know, you have to unattach from the outcome. Mm. So, you know, yeah. So if I like expect a certain outcome and it happens, then I'm going to have that, that false high of, well, yeah, this went how I thought it was supposed to be. So, you know, but you have to detach from the positive and from the negative potential outcome, you know, just be neutral, whatever's supposed to happen. This is your journey. This is your path. You're going to learn from whatever it is the outcome is. So that's how I see it. Yeah, that is perfect. I think that's actually a great way to end this episode. Did you want to share any other tips about maybe veganism, yoga, Anything you want to talk about before we wrap up? Overall, just um, listen to your body. Listen to yourself, whether we're talking food, whether we're talking yoga. Just recognize that your path is your path. Do not compare it to anybody else's path. Whatever you think it's supposed to look like, 
um, you know, your your journey is going to be what it's supposed to be. And so learn as much as you can about what it is that you're wanting to do. Of course, first know what you want to do and then learn about it and then pace yourself and figure out a plan to get you from A to Z, wherever you want to go. And, you know, just be kind to yourself in the process. Let us know where we can find you on social media for the times that you're there. <laughs> and also go ahead and let us know about your cookbook, too. Sure. So I am on Instagram as well as Facebook as uh, oh, and also YouTube as Stephanie Sunshine. Instagram Stephanie Sunshine with an underscore at the end. My website is veganbynature.com. So you can find everything that I offer, including any upcoming events, um, such as my retreat, my cookbook. All of that is found on my website. So it's really simple. Vegan by Nature. That's also the name of my brand. And I also offer health coaching. And you can find my health coaching services exclusively for now at plant-based coaching.info. Well, I'll definitely make sure that I link all of Stephanie's, um, her social media, her coaching, her cookbook, everything at brownvegan.com under this episode. And be sure to follow her. She's going to be on social media, but she's going to do it the right way. So (laughs) don't expect to see her every single day. (laughs) It was such a pleasure to have you on the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Monique, for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. And it was great talking to you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.